This is Scott McCain, author of Iconic, How Organizations and Leaders Attain, Sustain, and Regain the Highest Level of Distinction. And you are listening to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. Hello, and welcome to this hopefully short-lived series that will be airing in addition to the weekly marketing book podcast interviews. I'm your host, Douglas Burdett, and my goal is to reconnect you with past guests on the Marketing Book Podcast, share some ideas and inspiration, and maybe a much-needed laugh or two. I've interviewed over 200 authors on the show, and my plan is to continue this series until I run out of authors or quarantine, whichever comes first. A word of warning. The host and guest may very likely be consuming cocktails during these conversations. If you'd like to join the conversation, go to marketingbookpodcast.com and click on the orange button to record your question or comment, and I may include it in a future episode. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat. Scott McCain, welcome to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. <laughs> and, and Doug, I I am drinking a cocktail. I, I'm following your instructions. <laughs> as as am I. Uh, I am uh, today. I'm having uh, Balvenie single malt scotch. Uh, this Ooh. is the twelve uh, year old uh, single malt scotch whiskey. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. If not, my uh, listeners in uh, Scotland will set me straight. And uh, you know, um, Scott McCain, uh, people come to me and they say, Douglas, you read all these books that are on the podcast. You've now read hundreds of them, which of course I enjoy doing. <laughs> it's almost as good as getting ready, getting to talk to the authors. And they say, well, you know, how do you do it? How do you do it? I go, well, it doesn't really take that much time if you think about how much time everybody has every week. And it's a priority for me. But the downside is that it has really cut into my uh, scotch drinking over the years. And Scott <laughs> McCain, I'm hoping that this uh, hopefully short-lived series will will do something about that, uh, and I appreciate you helping me. You know, Scott, I know you're you're here to help, and uh, you're doing what you can. But Scott, where are you, and how are you doing, and what are you thinking? We're quarantined. My wife and I are quarantined in Las Vegas, where we live, and and this, as you might imagine, is a really interesting place uh, to 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 be locked down because. Uh, I, I would imagine our percentage of unemployed is as high as any place, you know, because there's so many people working at the casinos and the restaurants and, and everything. So it's, it's really, a, you know, it, it, it's a challenging time. Uh, you, you just kind of feel it uh, watching local news, reading local news. But it's also a time, I think, that we can get some things done. That, that yeah, how, how many times have we thought, oh, if only I had some more time to read that book, or if only I had <laughs> some more time to polish up my resume or whatever. Well, be careful what you wish for, because that time is here. And, and that's, that's what I'd love to talk about, is, is some of the things that we can be doing uh, that can have a, a very positive impact. And also you know, how we can fight worry, because I think one of the challenges that we're all going through is we, we worry about the unknown and we worry about the problems and we worry about the situations. And so and I've, I've got Absolutely. some yeah, that would, that, so. that would be really helpful. And uh, I've heard from a number of listeners who have, not a, not a lot, but some of them have said, hey, gosh, I had never seen this coming. I just got laid off. And their life is in turmoil in ways that I almost can't imagine. And believe it or not, they're asking me for book recommendations. <laughs> and so this one woman, she says, I guess I'm kind of kind of starting over. And I said, you know what? You need to read Dory Clark's Reinventing You. <laughs> oh, what a great suggestion. That's, 
that's perfect. Yeah, and well, based on what she told me, and then I heard from another uh, uh, marketing student. I think he was getting his MBA in uh, in India, and he said, "Suddenly, we're all it's it's we're out of school. We can't do anything. I had these great internships lined up, and I it's it's just such a turmoil. And that's why being able to talk to somebody like you is helpful. I know my daughter." is a senior in college. She comes home for spring break and two days later gets an email from the school saying, don't come back. And then they send an email saying, we're not going to be able to do graduation either. And, uh, you know, then my, my son is a, is an EMT and, Hmm. uh, in, in, uh, the outer banks and in, uh, Virginia beach. And, uh, he's, uh, gone. And as a matter of fact, there's, there's all these oceanfront hotels that are empty probably like a lot of the places in las vegas right now yeah and these oceanfront hotels are empty and one hotel company said well if there's any emts that want us quasi quarantine themselves we'll give you free rooms until this thing goes over and you know my wife was very worried that he was going to be bringing the virus home to us and you know just all sure and so he took off today and said, I'll be in touch, but I'm going to stay away from you guys. And uh, so it's just, it's just crazy. But what, what are some of the things that you think people could be doing? Because it seems like it's awfully easy to start watching a lot of news and just worrying. I listened to a program that, that I got right when I got out of college. And it was from a, a motivational speaker uh, by a guy by the name of Ed Foreman. And he, he talked about how to handle worry. And I, I, for some reason, it crossed my mind and I, I found it and I pulled it back out to show you how old it was. It's on cassette. I had to dig through and find a cassette player. I can but, explain to the younger listeners what Scott's talking about in yeah. a few minutes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but he, he had some great ideas on there that I've kind of, you know, adopted and adapted. Oh, good. But. But one of the lines that came through is, you know, when you think about worry, what often happens is the spirals. What if this doesn't end? Oh, what if I don't get paid? Oh, what if I go bankrupt? Oh, what if I get a ev- I mean, the longer we go, the deeper and darker and, and more significant the worry gets. And he had a great phrase, and I, I just think it's brilliant. He said, worry is nothing more or less than negative goal setting. Hmm. It's actively focusing on what we don't want to have happen. And, and so the thing that I kind of developed was there, there's a point where we have to discipline ourselves to break the cycle. As trite as it might sound, it starts with us just saying, let me write down what I'm worried about. Because there's something about putting it down on paper mm. and looking at it that, that makes it very specific as opposed to how worries tend to go. And then you simply say, is that what I want to have happen? Well, obviously not. That's why you're worried about it. So then the critical thing is to say, okay, so what do I want to have happen? And we write that down and then we start making specific plans on how we would accomplish that. So there are some things, you know, if I'm worried about the virus, I don't want to get the virus. Uh, Well, obviously that's not, you know, I'm worried about getting the virus. Is that what we want to have happen? No. What do we want? Well, I want to stay healthy. So how do we go about that? What's some of the best things we can do? And and that's what we've been seeing about, you know, quarantining ourselves, washing our hands. Do, I mean, we make that list because simply going through that process helps to ease the worry. Now, if it's something like what you talked about earlier, uh, you know, I've lost my job or I'm, I'm entering a job market and no one's hiring anymore or all of those things, I, I think we need to start just saying, okay, so what are some of the steps that I can take 
Because at the end of the day, I think we all innately understand none of us have a magic wand that can make this go away. But all of us have can find certain specific actions that we can take that can help us. I, I think inactivity is is one of our greatest challenges right now. Don't mm. you? I mean, the, oh, the fact absolutely. we have so much time, right? That, you know, mom always used to say idle hands are the devil's playground. Well, I, I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case when we're quarantined, but it certainly is the playground of worry when we have all this time. Well, the older I get, the more mom and dad were right. <laughs> yeah, really. So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, you'll hear people say, uh, maybe in line with uh, people who like stoicism, you know, you, you can't control what happens. The only thing you can control is your reaction. Absolutely. And that's what you've described there is just taking action. And I think uh, taking action is good. And I've heard others talk about how you need to get some kind of uh, routine going. And before we got started, we were, you saw my arm was in a sling because I, I think I had the last, it was very successful rotator cuff repair surgery. It was, it was Tommy John, wasn't it? So you can pitch next year? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to be, I'm right-handed. This was the left hand, but, you know, I, I can dream of being a, uh, you know, uh, right and left-handed uh, pitcher. And I just like being able to say I had rotator cuff surgery because it makes me sound like a major league pitcher. And, uh, and there was a special on rotator cuff uh, surgeries because, you know, the, the baseball players aren't playing either. So, no, but I had it done like on the 18th of March and like two days later, they said no more elective surgery. And so, you know, my arm is in a sling and the gym is closed and I can't run. I got to keep this thing in a sling for six weeks. And so I've started going on these 90 minute walks, you know, and now I'm, I'm getting, I, I'm adjusting like so many folks and it really feels good to say, okay, good. Here's what I'm going to do every day. You know, because I can't go into the office. None of us are in the office anymore. And we're just kind of, and so now we have like a nine o'clock meeting on Zoom. And then in the middle of the day, I go on this long walk and then, you know, certain things like that. But I think that um, if folks can just write down, I know it sound may sound silly, but just get out a piece of paper. Don't do it online. <laughs> right, Try right. writing it out. What is it that you're worried about? And suddenly those things are going to flow right down your arm. Uh, through that pen onto that paper, and they're going to start start getting away from you. How has how have things changed you? I mean, you're a international keynote speaker, a member of the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame. What did did suddenly your calendar just clear up for the rest of the year? Uh, not for the rest of the year, uh, but everything. Uh, you know, it, uh, it's like going 100 miles an hour into a brick wall. I mean, it. it I've been so fortunate to be incredibly busy. And, um, you know, there just aren't any meetings anymore. I, I, I have such empathy for those in the, you know, the service field because, uh, the, the fundamental way I make a living, stand on a stage and, you know, and, and, and speak to folks and, and that's gone. But one of the things I noticed, it's very different. Like after nine 11, the meetings that were booked were canceled. Now the vast, vast majority of the meetings that I was scheduled to speak uh, in late March, April, May, everybody is saying we're postponing. Mm -hmm. you know, we'll we'll be back in the fall, and I, I think, I think, I hope, and I mean, you know, it's like what William Goldman wrote about Hollywood: nobody knows anything, um, <laughs> right? right? Which but, I think applies to uh, marketing as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, exactly. It's uh, yeah, ha yeah, half my marketing's working, right? <laughs> so, right, right, right. But but I think that. Uh, 
I hope, I think that we're, we're going to see some pent up demand. I think one of the things we're also going to see um, is a ton of meetings uh, as soon as this uh, gets back to more of a normal situation, simply because um, we're businesses are going to want to launch marketing efforts and sales efforts to try to rescue some of the year in Q4. Mm-hmm. And so what was typically the kickoff meeting to start the year, they're going to have another kickoff meeting or service meeting or sales meeting to, to push into Q4 to try to get as much as we can. Uh, uh, and and even, even if we aren't growing our business, certainly to do all we can to take market share from our competition. Yeah. You know, it came, uh, a thought I had was that, we're we're doing things virtually now for those of us that that can and i think that the silver lining to a lot of this is going to be that people actually have a greater appreciation for in person events yes <laughs> because they're going to yeah. be reminded of the limitations of trying to do things virtually and when i go out on these walks it's amazing the number of people that want to stop and talk <laughs> <laughs> you know, <Yeah>, right. <laughs> some of them I know, and some of them they're just like they'll they'll see like my college logo on my ball cap, and they'll go, "Oh, did you go to school there?" <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. They, people just uh, they they uh, humans want to be around other humans, and I don't think it's uh, uh, goes back to the caveman days. And I was um, similarly, I was I was you know chatting with a, a someone who organizes a, a series of large social media uh, conferences, and I, I was telling him, you know, I think I think. I don't I, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how this is going to impact things, but I hope long-term people are really going to appreciate the ability just to be in a big room with a lot of people and uh, have the ability to have that spontaneity and direct conversation. <laughs> you made me think of two things at once, Douglas. It's uh, a buddy of mine, Tom Webster, and he's oh, with yeah. Edison Research in, in Boston. And mm-hmm. I, I know you know who Tom is. He was a past guest on the marketing podcast, and with and you know what? He just posted something I saw on Facebook about how he misses going to bars. That's exactly what I was bringing up, and and what I loved about the post was, it, he it's not the drink that he misses, it's the interaction. Mm-hmm. It just it's the feel. It's being in public, being connected, either sitting in a bar with his wife, uh, you know, sharing that moment, or it's it's observing other people as he's on the road. And I just thought that was so elegantly written uh, in terms of it, it. I miss bars, not because of the drink. Uh, he said, I didn't come here to buy the drink. I came here to purchase the moment. Mm-hmm. I, I just thought that was just great writing and, and just, you know, just, just really, really terrific. And, I, and I, I think too, you know, one of my mentors in the speaking business used to say in a, in a time when the technology is certainly what it is, to, is today, you can't shake hands over the telephone. Mm-mm. There is something about, as you mentioned, the caveman aspect. There's some in our evolution about the ability to look someone in the eye and to connect with them on a on a personal basis. That for all of the technology we have, what what a great reminder that at the end of the day, we still we still want to be involved. We still want to be connected. We still want to be with one another. And I think you're exactly right. That shared communal aspect. Uh, is is something that's that that we now realize more than ever that we're missing, and is really going to be a part of of what people yearn for as soon as this comes out. Yeah, it's interesting, and it's also interesting because I've been thinking about what are the things that are going to change permanently uh, after this. You know how, like after a major event like the Depression or the or World War II or nine eleven, whatever, there are certain things that changed 
and then they stayed. That uh, that was permanent. And I don't know, but it's like for me, you know, we small agency and here and um, now the place is empty. And I'm thinking, you know what? Everybody's working virtually. Uh, we're all local, but I'm probably going to let that lease go yeah. <laughs> because a I don't know how long this is going to last, and b if it's if it, if it's bad, we can always get a place in the future. But even though we might be working virtually, I'm still going to want to figure out how to get us all together as frequently as possible. You know, just uh, maybe fewer than ten of us. But even then, I still think it's really important to get everyone together, even together, even if we have to fly uh, folks in. And that's why I'm this is I'm speculating because as mm-hmm. uh, William Goldwyn was probably talking about me when he said nobody knows anything. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I'm frequently <laughs> I'm wrong. Yes, and uh, I'm just thinking, boy, you know the way uh, retail uh, real estate has a commercial, you know, the retail space and all that real estate, how that's changed so much uh, over the last 10 years. I mean, there's more and more malls that are starting to go empty. There's one near me and uh, shopping centers that are all but boarded up and maybe getting ready to turn into mixed use developments. And I'm wondering if a similar long-term change is coming to the commercial real estate market. I I think you're right. I, I think it's going to be interesting too. Uh, to piggyback on that, we work and 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 those types of businesses, you know, came under a lot of scorn with all that happened with their IPO and everything else. Um, but I'm wondering if this is going to benefit businesses like that, where we don't have a dedicated office, but we're going to subscribe to something like WeWork, mm-hmm. so that our people, you know, if if I don't need the entire team to get together, but I only need for a couple of us to get together on a project specific basis, or we could rent the conference room uh, and get everybody together once a month, yes. a heck of a lot cheaper than we are paying the, the type of rent that it takes to house the entire team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it, we're, I, think we, I think you're exactly right. We are going to see some permanent shifts in how people work. And, and I think the other thing we're going to think about, too, is it, we may be seeing some permanent shifts in how people are educated. You know, it, what happens if we don't need that type of physical plant to maintain a university. What happens if we don't need that for schools? I think there is that we need to get schools together, but if, if, if we, and students together, but if we really think about it, our school year is based on an agrarian society mm-hmm. where, where the kids needed to be out for the summer to help on the farm. And that's just not the case anymore. So maybe we can do some, you know, blue ocean thinking and really get back to thinking things through of if, 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 you know, if the page was blank and we're going to redesign this, how would we do it? Uh, that can truly have some significant long lasting benefits. It's, it's the lemonade out of these lemons that we've, we've, we've been given. Yeah. And it's like my son, the EMT, I was uh, talking to him today and he said that already they're starting to do certain things that they really should have been doing all along. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, that's not going to change. And I think as it relates to uh, education, yeah, I mean, you're talking to a guy who's just paid his last tuition payment and his daughter's at home <laughs> attending lectures <laughs> and taking online, uh, taking the, the rest of the course online. And I think that along with the rising cost of uh, education in the United States, you know, the tuition for, for college, I think a lot of people are going to say, wait a minute. 
I think this uh, people have already had a taste of the online learning from a number of universities. And also, I think a lot of folks are going to say to your point about the harvest, why don't we just do this in three years full time like a job? And as I understand, in Europe, uh, a number of the universities are are three-year programs anyway. So a hundred years from now, they may be talking about this uh, coronavirus in 2020 and how that was uh, significant and brought about certain changes in uh, higher education. Absolutely. And and, and, yeah, in in education, in how we work, uh, in how we communicate, uh, good grief. I I hear people, you know... You've heard this, the the saying before that when the name of your business becomes how we describe everything around that, it, it's bad for the brand, but it also shows your your dominance in the marketplace. As an example, uh, some people will say Xerox this you know, as opposed to make a copy of this. Right, Xerox it or hand me a Kleenex. It might be a Scott tissue, but hand me a Kleenex. And and I hear people saying. Well, let's jump on a Zoom. Yes, yes. Right? Uh-huh. And I never heard that used as, it, 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 you know, Zoom was always very specific to that particular piece of software. And I'm starting to hear people use it, gener- that Zoom means, let's, you know, let's get on a, a conference, an online conference. And that's that's a sea change. Now, you know, hopefully Zoom is able to capitalize on that and continue their dominance in that because it's easy to use and, and that. But uh uh, to to hear you know to to hear my ninety year old mom saying do you want to do a Zoom call it's pretty it's pretty amazing yes it is and uh, they're I'm sure they're you know they're they're growing we just got some clients to finally get on Zoom last week yeah. and so I'm sure the subscriptions are pouring in I happened to look today and saw that the he already was but uh, the founder of Zoom is a billionaire good for him and. <laughs> But uh, I think that, yeah, it's sort of like, uh, even though I catch a lift, I might be saying, yeah, I caught an Uber. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, same, uh, the same sort of thing. And uh, I agree, there's uh, my church <laughs> here in Norfolk, Virginia, they're using Zoom. And they're having to do all the services, which only has like the rector and a handful of others there. And the whole uh, parish is getting together to on Zoom. And they even had a little video the other day where they explained uh, a couple extra things they're going to do on Zoom to uh, upgrade the security because sometimes it's, mm-hmm. there's children's ministries uh, that are going on. So, yeah, really, uh, really interesting. Um, one thing I wanted to mention that I have done and a couple of my colleagues is uh, that, that any listener to the Marketing Podcast could be doing. And I mentioned this to my daughter who uh, has expressed an interest in working in marketing or uh, something like that, is uh, HubSpot. We use HubSpots, and and they're a very popular uh, software company. They have a terrific online learning, and it's completely free. It's called HubSpot Academy, and they have all these different certifications, and only a very small number are about their product. And frankly, you need to be a customer in order to want to take those anyway. So maybe like out of 25 of them, maybe five of them have to do with their product. But the other, the vast majority are all about the latest in marketing and sales. And they have terrific sales courses, marketing, all kinds of things. And once you take it and you, again, it's free, you take the certification test, you can then put it on your LinkedIn profile. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've heard, Scott, that you know, the 21st century is all about uh, one of the big issues, at least so far, is this real skills 
crisis, a skills shortage in marketing. So I would encourage folks, again, you don't have to be a HubSpot customer. This is, this is free. And I know a number of the folks at HubSpot Academy, and they write these things really, really well. They're very well delivered. And then each year as they keep it, they continue to iterate because they study how people are doing on the quizzes. And it's really, really very well done. They have a whole separate program just for higher education to use this. This uh, that, these courses, that's remarkable, and so that's, that's fantastic. You put it on your LinkedIn profile, and recruiters are going to find that. So I would say, and uh, listeners are going to hear me say this again: get to work on some of those certifications. Now, now they're not the only ones. There's others. That Google has some fantastic ones which are in great demand. I I think some of theirs are free, and but just uh, make it a point to try and fill some time to uh, work on your skills, and that'll attract people. And I think that goes back to the first thing we talked about, about taking some action. You're going to take some action. I guarantee you're going to learn something. You're going to feel better about yourself. And uh, I think that uh, you'll you know, be able to take your mind off of what's going on. And I, I would encourage folks to, to try and do that. I think the most important thing, though, Scott McCain, is that they continue to listen to the Marketing Book Podcast. Okay, so if you don't do anything else... <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm That's kidding. exactly right. That's right. If you That's only do right. one thing. Okay, if you only do one thing, you need to buy Iconic, which is uh, Scott's <laughs> most recent book. And I'm going to... And listen to us talk about it on a previous episode. Yes, that's right. And then listen to the Marketing Book Podcast and leave a five-star review. No, it, and, and and if there's other podcasts folks are listening are looking for, I mean, there are other good marketing podcasts. This isn't the only one. My little corner of the marketing podcast world, you know, message me on LinkedIn and well, I, I can tell you about some of the others that I know of. I'd love to hear about others that you all are listening to, and uh, you know, reach out to to Scott on uh, social media and you know, let him know what's going on. But you know, Scott, I'm just wondering, and I know I'm rambling, but hey, it's the Scotch drinking. Um, <laughs> Las Vegas must have one of the highest unemployment rates right now in the United States. You think about, yeah, is it, there another it, town that has uh, the hospitality industry as the primary uh, industry? There are others, but I don't know that they're like Vegas. I, uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything. I mean, even if you look at the, the hot ones now, like Nashville, they still have a music industry, you know, that is being supported industry, with streaming yeah. and everything else. But, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I, I think you're exactly right. Uh, it's, uh, oh, you know, uh, and we've tried to stay in touch with servers at our favorite restaurants and, 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 you know, folks in the, in the meetings industry as well, you know, meetings professionals are, are just, um, this has just been, it's just decimated it. But at the end of the day, what, you know, what can we do? The only thing that we can do, I mean, the only positive thing that we can do is to take some positive action to build our skill base, as you were talking about, to, to use this time, my degree is in political science and an old line in politics is never waste a good crisis. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, one other bit of advice that I'd like to share is um, pick up the phone. Now, there are a lot of younger people that have these, uh, you know, devices in their pockets and they're not apparently aware that you can actually push a button and then there's, somebody will talk. I'm thinking about my kid, my own kids. But you know, when you start calling people and checking in, I've even called some past clients, you know, just to say, what, <laughs> how are you doing? What's going on? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, friends, people, I'm, calls are getting returned. People are picking up their phones. And uh, like, like the, the walk that I went on, I was describing earlier, people just want to talk and you want to reconnect and maybe have a good laugh. Uh, so I, I would encourage folks just to call people out of the blue. I guarantee you, 
Uh, they're going to think about it. You know, if you're a salesperson, just say, hey, look, this is not a sales call. <laughs> Yeah. I just needed somebody right. to talk to. Yeah. Well, you what know, it's you funny doing? you mention that because yesterday, just yesterday, you know, I, I'm talking to a woman that works at a speaker's bureau. And as you might imagine, that's, that's how a lot of my presentations get booked is, you know, somebody reads the book, they call the speaker's bureau. Does this guy speak? And they put us in touch and, and, and all that. So I just, you know, I'm just talking to her. just want to see how she's doing. You know, it's, it's such a, they're in the same boat that, that I am in terms of, the meeting industry has, has shuttered down for a while. And, um, as we're talking, she says, Hey, uh, are, are you available Wednesday to do an online program? And I said, yeah, <laughs> my, let me, my let me check my calendar open right now, you know? <laughs> and she said, I have gotten so many calls from others in your business, in, in your industry and in speaking who are calling, trying to sell me something. Mm. And she said, you're the only one that called and just said, Hey, how you doing? You know, we're all going through this, just checking in just, and she said, I, I, I think this would be a, a great, a great thing for you. So I'm getting paid to do an online program, uh, this next week, not because I sold, but because I connected and I, 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 you know, when we think about marketing and your intent was sales, not to make a sale, you were just calling somebody up. You like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're, you know, just to see how she's doing and, you know, just, just to kind of touch base exactly as you were saying, Douglas, of, 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 of what we ought to do. And I, I, you know, I, I think one of the, the aha for me out of that is that when, when times get difficult, like they are now for so many of us, we start pushing our product or pushing our solution, mm. uh, in the marketing that we do. And the thing we have to remember is it, it's such a state of flux right now. The customers don't even know the question. And, and here we are trying to bring our answer to the marketplace to a market that still hasn't determined what the right questions are. And I think we have to be really careful about that because the, the, the actions that we take during this period of time are going to be remembered for a long time after it's over. You know, this too will pass. But what we will remember is, you know, who connected with us because they cared, who connected with us to hawk their stuff, uh, who yeah. connected with us to serve, and who connected with us to, to try to gain. And I, I think we've got to be real careful about that and how we market and how what messages we're putting out there in the marketplace. That is so true. And I think that there are people going to remember for a long time some of the tone-deaf things that a few companies are doing. You know, and uh, I'm also going to remember for a long time a number of these companies, at least the ones here in the United States I'm hearing about, who are just doing some incredibly generous things that certainly don't, you know, they don't have to do. And I think that's that's going to be that's going to be remembered for a long time. Just like the the company whose name I can't remember, but I'll try to find out later. The the company that owns these hotels at the Virginia Beach Oceanfront, mm -hmm. who are yeah. giving empty rooms to these first responders like my son, what else are they going to do? I, I think they're doing it because it makes them feel better. You bet. What, one of the case studies in the book Iconic that we've talked about previously is the Fairmont Scottsdale Princess. And I was communicating yesterday with Jack Miller, who's the CEO there. And, and Jack's, I mean, it's, he tells his people, we are family here. You know, this, this is a family. Well, now all of a sudden, the, the hotel is practically deserted. They have this huge property. So you, 
there, it just isn't possible to keep all the housekeepers on. It just isn't possible to keep all the maintenance people. They just can't do it when, when there's no guests at the hotel. But he said, I've said we're family forever. So here's what I did. Even with, you know, I've had to furlough some people. But I said, on Tuesday and Friday, we're going to have a lunch for everybody. Bring your family. It's free. It's on us. Now, you got to, these are servers at restaurants. These are housekeepers. These are, you know, the front line people that we see in a, in a, in a resort, in a hotel. And they're doing a big lunch every Tuesday and Friday. And bring your family because we are family here. And I just think that's absolutely extraordinary because, you know, he said they understand that if there aren't people in the hotel rooms, we just can't economically, you know, keep them on staff full time. But we can reinforce that I meant what I said, that it was family. Yeah, you know, that brings to mind also a story I just read about the American, I think it's an American restaurant, the Cheesecake Factory. Uh-huh. And they have the biggest uh, menu in the world based on our friend uh, Jay Bear's book, uh, Talk Triggers. Right. And I've read that they just furloughed 41,000 workers. And in the article I read, it said that, first off, they sent a note or they sent, they communicated with all their landlords saying, we're not going to be able to pay for this next month's rent just yet. I don't think they said they can't do it, but they said, we, we just can't do it now. So just hold on. But it said that they were going to continue their uh, employees' uh, benefits for a certain number of months, and they're giving them uh, one meal a day or something hmm. like that. And I just thought, right. wow, you know, that's that's great. And just yesterday... And I know these sound like first world problems that a single malt scotch drinker would have <laughs> here in my, my nice home. But I got an email from the Norfolk Yacht Club, of which we remember, yesterday, and it said, we're furloughing 75% of the employees, uh, but they're going to get to keep their benefits. Oh, we, wow. We had to do that. Have to do that. You know, and we can't go there. So, yeah, so there's a lot of that going on there. And that's why I say there's, I think there's more, a lot more companies doing the right things than the wrong things. But I think that these people that are, and I can understand it, you know, they're desperate. They're they're in a bad way. Try to resist that impulse to start talking about your product or service first. In fact, as I just mentioned, just say, hey, you know what? This isn't a sales call. I I just needed somebody to talk to. (laughs) And I thought I'd... I thought I'd call you, and we did a email newsletter for a client a week ago, and this it's for an economic development, uh, you know, in, in a certain municipality in, in Kartuk, in, in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Great client, uh-huh. and uh, he's a real character. And these newsletters are really known for his uh, really human approach. I mean, he knows who he is, and uh, he. Um, you know, his, his name is Lombardi. Yes, he's related to uh, the Green Bay Packers. Oh no, coach. kidding! Yeah. <laughs> and wow. he's uh, he's he and he's a economic development professional and just a, a all around great guy. And he, so you know, we've been helping with some of these newsletter, but they're they're in his voice. And he sent one out, and it just said, you know, these are crazy times. And it wasn't selling anything as it usually isn't, but it's uh, it's entertaining. And it was saying, we don't know what's going on, but you know, these there's few things that aren't going to change. And he was even he was saying, I, I just encourage you to just get on the phone and call people. And he said, look, I, I would appreciate it if you would just call me. 
And the, the reason I would appreciate it is because my wife is so excited at the idea of me having someone else to talk to. <laughs> so the response has been amazing. He I has bet. gotten that's, so many phone great. calls and, he, and so many uh, responses to the email saying, Larry, we haven't met, but I love you. <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> and it's in such uh, such short supply. So at any rate, well, listen, Scott, this is really generous of you to hop on the line here for this uh, first uh, episode of what I hope is a short-lived series, Authors in Quarantine yes. Getting Cocktails. I needed the laugh. I needed the drink. And uh, please don't stop writing uh, books because uh, I need you back on the Marketing Book Podcast. Oh, uh, I appreciate that. Matter of <laughs> fact, I just turned in the manuscript for the next one. So I'll, oh, really? I'll be in touch with you. We'll, we'll see what's... Uh... Well, this is like you calling that meeting organizer, finding out about an upcoming opportunity. What can you yeah, share with exactly. us? Yeah, so. exactly. Can you share with us what you're, I didn't know you were working on another book. Can you share with us what it might be about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I own the federally registered trademark on the term, the ultimate customer experience. And, you know, the blinding flash, the obvious was I, I had never written a book with that title. I, I've talked about it. But uh, so I went back to my clients and I tried to isolate what are the five things that everyone needs to know. Most of my books are written for the managerial level, uh-huh. but I, I've never written the book that, uh, you know, the, the books that I write, like the, the bank president might get it for all of the, the branch managers, but, but not for the tellers. And I wanted to write a book that was a short book, kind of like a one minute manager size book uh-huh. that, that everyone could hear, here are the five things that everybody needs to know about the customer experience. So it's, it's been a lot of fun to do. Uh, we don't have a release date on it simply because you know who knows how this is going to play out. Uh, we, we were, you know, looking for a late August release, but we'll, we'll see what happens, but I'll, I'll keep in touch with you uh, on that. But I'm, I'm really excited about it because it's, it's the first time to, uh, you know, go wide with, uh, try to go wide with the appeal of the book. Yeah, and there's so many, well, so many, not enough, but there have been a number of books over the last couple hundred on the Marketing Book Podcast about customer experience, and I really find that so interesting, and I, I always enjoy reading about companies that get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, In the common denominator, I, I don't mean to give too much away, but the common denominator that I found was the companies that get it also make certain that their teams, that their colleagues understand the importance of personal responsibility. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. It's that they convey to the people in their organization that, you know, that the, the CEO can preach about the customer experience, but if you call the helpline and that person is curt and rude because they're being measured, uh, on how many calls they can get through in a day, as opposed <laughs> to how efficiently and, and, and engagingly they can take care of the customer it's not delivered to you. So it doesn't matter what the CEO says. Right. And so it's, it's trying to find a way to make certain that the people on the front line understand that at the end of the day, each one of them is the CEO of the individual customer's experience. Yes. And they're empowered to solve the problem. And boy, is it noticeable yeah. when you're dealing with a company and it's, it's just so obvious that they're like that, where they're saying they're going to solve you know, even if it's the local car dealership or you know, motorcycle dealership or whatever, where I'm dealing with who I need to be dealing with and they can solve the problem right there and take care of me, man, I, not only do I want to come back, I want to tell other people about it. But then you deal with other folks. They're like, well, it's just the way it is. I fired a banker once because, yeah. because he said, that's just the way we do it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> 
They solved the problem, but only because I threatened to call his boss and say, I need this fixed. I know the bank knows how to do this. <laughs> yeah. Other, but it was like, oh, man. And you know what? That banker was later fired anyway. So uh, <laughs> Sweet revenge. But, but, is, but, you know, the scary thing is what you're talking about is, is personal to you, but it's not unique in the marketplace, <laughs> which is the scary thing. I, I list a thing in the in this upcoming book of of uh, I, I I talk with recruiters and I tried to find out what's some of the stupidest things that you heard from employees in meetings and there's this there's this great list you know of a, like a guy that fakes a phone call that he's getting another job offer while he's sitting there and really he told his wife to call him and act like she was offering him a job to try to stimulate the recruiter into hiring him on the spot. It's just stupid things like that. And then you realize at the end of the day, these folks are working somewhere. <laughs> right. right. I mean, yeah, they're laughing they're, to keep from crying. Yeah. They're working somewhere. So, uh, it's, it's just really, really critical. And, and you know, it, it, it follows along with create distinction and iconic because I can't think of any distinctive companies. I certainly can't think of them at the iconic level that have rotten customer experiences. <laughs> right. it, it's, it's a key element, right? I mean, no one says, Oh, they're a great company, but they treat their customers like crap. I mean, <laughs> It just right. that just doesn't happen. So no, it's, no, it's it's funny. You know the 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 other day I had a, the HVAC company uh, come to the house because they were going to get things squared away for the uh, summer, and they come twice a year, make sure things good, and they're they're good folks. And uh, this is a guy who'd never been here before. And then I noticed I went back down into the cellar uh, Saturday, and the the crawl space door was open, and the light was still on in the crawl uh. space. And I said. I, I, my arm's in a sling. I can't crawl back under there. Yeah. And, turn, yeah. and, and they were all over it saying, Oh, we're really sorry. You know that. Uh, and, and, uh, they sent another guy out and he said, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm going to turn that light off and, you know, I hope your shoulder heals up and I'm just going to go ahead and check and make sure there's nothing else that he missed. <laughs> and sure enough, oh, wow. they yeah. found there's three units, three zones in this house. And he, he actually found one or two other things. And he told me that. And I said, you know, I really, I really appreciate that. So, you know, it's it's like uh, I and I stay with them because are there problems along the way? Yeah. Well, those HVAC systems are fragile. They they break mm-hmm. down. Things go wrong. Uh, they're great to have though when they do work. And these folks, yeah, occasionally there's a problem, but I always know they're going to fix it. And it reminds me of a client I had years and years ago, and it was a big IT firm. And I remember talking to the president once, and for some reason we started talking about when they were talking to new prospects. And he said that when they're talking to a new company, a new prospect, and the subject of references comes up, he always said, you know, I can give you a list of happy customers. Any of our competitors can do that. But how about if I give you a list of customers where there was a problem Mm. and then we worked through it and solved it? (laughs) Love it. Love it. That's a, I just thought, man, I am stealing that. Just like I steal yeah. so many ideas from these books I read. And that guy did quite well. They, they sold that company for uh, many, many millions of dollars uh, to a much larger IT firm. And uh, I just thought that was, that was brilliant. But it also showed that they were you know, pretty honest and they, they, owned the, they owned the experience. I just thought that was enormously persuasive. It totally is. Yeah, absolutely it is. And isn't it interesting how little in in the broad scheme of things, how little it really takes to stand out? It's it's doing those kinds of things that every business should be doing anyway 
but yet it's the stories that you're relating because it, it it's front of mind for you. Yeah. And, and, and I think a lot of it has to do, I won't tell you how to write your book there, Mr. McCain, but it brings some, well, you've already sent the draft off, so you're safe. Um, it brings to mind something uh, from some folks that you know very, very well, Allison and Scott Stratton. Oh, gosh, yes. Who yeah. I understand they're going to move to Vegas at some point. Yeah, right, right. Um, and I think they're already signed up for Raiders uh, season tickets for whenever the NFL season starts. As a matter of fact, will my Indianapolis Colts play the Raiders this coming year? Why, I'm, I'm in Stratton seats. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wow. Oh, I hope now that's hope a friend, a, right? I hope to see a picture of that. But in one of their many books, uh, the book called Unbranding, I interviewed Allison about that. And that was one of two books that I've out of the hundreds I've had on the show where I actually was reading it on a plane and I burst out laughing and I couldn't uh, stop laughing to the point where I was actually flying with my wife when I was reading that book. And I started laughing. These people started turning around. And, you know, on airplanes, as Scott McKinnon yeah, would know, yeah. it's pretty noisy anyway. People were turning around looking at me. And my wife, who's easily uh, embarrassed, unlike her husband, she was like, stop it. Stop it. What are, you, what are you doing? I showed her that section of the book I was reading. She started laughing. And we were both <laughs> crying. But anyway, they're just very, very funny people. And they're, they're brilliant writers. And, oh, they're and, awesome. Yeah. They're anyway, uh, their book, Unbranding, it had 100 short chapters. And it was about branding. And I'm normally ooh, maybe a little uh, skeptical of all these books about branding. But the first chapter was called, Your Logo Doesn't Matter. <laughs> right off the bat, they said, this is not about logos, Okay. But then the other, one of the other very interesting things in their book was they said the most important branding department in your organization is not marketing, it's human resources. Mm-hmm. Much of what you're talking about, and I'm talking about in terms of the customer experience and customer service, has to do with the kinds of people you attract to work for you and how you treat them. I would think more than almost anything else. And I think, What's often overlooked in what you just said is that people is the most important word, but word 1A is attract. Uh, the, 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 the customers we attract are always more valuable than the ones we've had to pursue. The employees that we attract will always be uh, more engaged better employees than, than ones we've had to pursue. Mm. But yet, but yet most organizations don't realize they are in the attraction business. Mm, interesting. Yeah. You think about a client that comes to you because they've heard about you and they yeah. feel like they, they already trust you. You know, it brings to mind yet another uh, keynote speaker who's written a tremendous book, Marcus Sheridan. They ask you oh, answer. Oh, love Marcus. Yeah. And, uh, and I believe he's got another book coming out this year on uh, video. So I uh, hope to get him back on the show. But you know, he talks about how, you know, the way people buy has changed, okay? Uh, and they were all in the trust business. And the more they can trust you before they come to you, uh, the more they're likely to buy from you. But the best ones are the ones that come to you and they already know, like, and trust you, to use a tired but very good phrase. And uh, they're always better when they, when they come to you and they're, they're better informed and they, they, uh, they know about you. So that same thing. Yeah, that's a, great, that's a great point, Scott. Well, listen, Scott, it's time for us to uh, order another round here. So that means we better, uh, <laughs> we better let, let things go. But I appreciate you uh, coming on and I hope that uh, 
your uh, book won't be too long coming out. And I know a guy who does this podcast where he interviews authors of new marketing and sales books. Um, and he's a big fan of yours. So I think he'd really oh, like, he'd like <laughs> well, to have I don't know if he wants me back or not, but if he does, I'm here. <laughs> so not at all. I'd be thrilled to do it. <laughs> well, thanks very much and uh, stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you. Same to you, Doug. Great talking with you as always.